1: What's up, friends? Before we hop into the show, gotta tell you about our friends over at Light Shade Dispensary, where they have Escape Artist, which is the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado, t- prioritizing quality and consistency. They have ratios available in one-to-one and high ratio CBD, 20-to-one. They also have eleven. 11- Denver Metro locations and you can check them out at lightshade.com and you can use the code DNVR for 25% off all non-sale items over on their website lightshade.com or over in one of their 11 stores and check out their Barnum location it's their newest and their biggest location one block off sixth and federal where they have specialty products not offered at other locations so check them out and use that code DNVR for 25% off all right Ryan let's hop into the show
2: DNVR Broncos podcast coming to you from studio a here at the DNVR bar, and of course, we'll get into all sorts of awesome Broncos talking just a little bit. Um, but, Zach, I guess I have to start on a bit of a, on a serious note here. Um, I wasn't on the show yesterday, and I always go kind of back and forth on how to handle things like this. Um, but I'm sitting there on my phone today, doom scrolling, probably like everyone, and I just see this same cycle happening. Uh, and it is so mind-bogglingly frustrating to see people get murdered senselessly and then we go through the same cycle every damn time first it's everyone shocked which we probably shouldn't even be shocked at this point then it's everyone's really sad of course it's devastating then people get mad then you know the politicians come in and they say things like we can't keep letting this happen. And it's like, bro, who are you telling that? Like you're the ones who can do this. Not me. I'm, you know, I'm just like a dumb guy who talks about sports. You're the ones who need to stop this stuff from happening and it. And the cycle goes on and it's finger pointing and everyone blames each other. And then things kind of get complex and more stories come out and then a week goes by and you know what happens next? It's done. Nothing. Yeah. And, And, I guess I got to say, I'm sorry if I end up cursing during this. If there's kids out there, maybe you can turn it off. Or maybe they should hear this because maybe their generation will be the first ones to try and do something. But it is so frustrating to think that we go through this cycle and nothing ever happens. Zach, I remember being in third grade, coming home from school to my mom sobbing on the couch watching the coverage of Columbine that was 20 years ago over 20 years ago and since then we have legitimately done fucking nothing to try and stop these things from happening so to me this is not a political issue and if your political stance is that we should continue doing nothing then I don't really care if this offends you because we have to try something, and again, I'm not smart enough to figure out what it is, but I am smart enough to know that continuing to do absolutely nothing is not going to do anything except allow this stuff to keep happening. So I do struggle with how to talk about this stuff on our show because I think this is an escape for a lot of people, and I'm sorry for bringing this up two days after the fact, but you know, enough people listen to this show to fill Mile High Stadium and then some, and I just hope that someone out there is smart enough to help us figure this out and help us figure out how we can keep going and how we can, we can try anything to try and fix this. Cause we know doing nothing is not helping a damn thing. And one more thing is I truly believe that education is the foundation uh, of everything in our country. I think it's the answer to our problems. And I think the lack of it is the cause of our problems. And the way that we are going to have better education is with better teachers in the way that we treat our teachers, the way that we pay our teachers, we pay them like shit. We treat them like shit. And we push the so many of the great ones out of the profession. I have friends who are in this profession who are leaving it, not be, not only because bad pay, not only because they get treated poorly, but also, because they have to go in there with the thought that they might be in the, in the middle of an active shooter situation at any time. You know, they have to go through these horrific moments where they're told like, Hey, if one of your students is out of the classroom and they come knocking on the door during one of these drills, you have to leave them out there. That's horrific. And because of all this shit, and, and, and we can't even do anything, can't even try something to protect them. So that's all I have to say is let's just please try something because all, the, all that is doing is pushing great teachers away, killing our kids, and exacerbating our problems.
1: Yeah, and, and Ryan, very well said on, on all of that. And I talked to my mom, who's a, a teacher in an elementary school as well, Tuesday night, uh, and we, we talked about what happened. And then we just went into a different conversation about different parts of her life. And she just brought up this story out of nowhere that for the first time in her multiple decades-long career at school, her and her students got to watch a butterfly come out of its cocoon that afternoon <laughs> and the first thing i thought of was just how how different that was from what happened in texas and how heartbreaking and how that's exactly what classroom should be like should be full of that it, i feel like a butterfly coming out of its cocoon is the most peaceful thing ever sure. and, and especially when you have elementary kids watching it happen it's exactly what it should be like not what students and teachers are afraid of now. And so when you talk about something needs to be done, something needs to be done in the, in this cycle, I completely agree with you. And one of those things that, that can be done from our standard or, or in this community is just not stop talking about it. Because... I don't know how I personally can change the laws right now. You're right. The politicians are the ones that can change those. And they're the ones that kind of talk to us. Okay. Something needs to happen. It's like, no, something needs to happen. You look at, look in the mirror, just like you said. And yeah. one of the things that we can do is just not let that die. And we have this awesome community. Like you said, that that can continue that conversation. Hopefully there's people in our community that can give us ways of things we can do as a community. Cause we have a lot of power here.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, Thank you guys for giving us the platform to speak about this kind of thing and, and understanding that some things, um, have to be addressed and, and, you know, some things are bigger than sports, With that being said, these are always the worst. Uh, we will have to talk about sports today, uh, which is a nice escape, uh, for everyone. So let's do it. Um, let's, let's jump into a little Broncos talk here, Zach. Um, God, I hate these transitions, but yesterday, I found it to be a very interesting comment from uh, DJ Jones, and I respect you know his uh, passion and his um, fortitude. But DJ Jones yesterday said he believes, and you can
1: you can give us the full quote. He believes the Broncos can have the best defensive line in the league yep he that's exactly what he said he said we can be the best defensive line in the nfl as long as we continue to work hard stay healthy and lean on each other we can be the best and then he just continued to go on about how special this group can be how good he can be how good draymond jones can be and it's a true belief He he's not just saying that coming out of left field he truly believes that ryan do you believe that zach I don't. I don't. And, <laughs> okay. and when you break it down, I think there's a few components that you need to have a great defensive line and we can break those down. All right. So
2: both of us don't agree. The Broncos aren't going to have the best defensive line in the league this year. So I guess let's move the question. How good can they be? Um, because I think they can be very good, but I just think from a top end talent perspective, We don't even know who the third starter is at this point. Yep. So from right then and there, I have to say, all right, DJ, I love it. Um, I hope you're right. But let's take a step back and at least figure out who the third guy on the defensive line is before we can say that it's going to be the best in the league.
1: And really quick, Ryan, Jose in the comment section says, are edge rushers considered on the defensive line? No, I don't think so. Uh, In a 3-4, they're not. You have the three defensive linemen, and then you have your edge rushers.
2: Yeah, and that complicates things because – if you run a 4-3, you get four defensive linemen. Yeah. So you,
1: right then and there, you have a chance to, you know, be better. But let's just say if the Broncos switch to that right now, Bradley Chubb's probably going to defensive end, but then maybe the Broncos have two holes on their defensive line right. instead.
2: Right, exactly. So it's three. It's DJ Jones.
1: It's Draymond Jones. And hope. Hopefully we'll someone else named Hopefully Jones. another Jones. <laughs> exactly. And so, Ryan, you're right. That's one of the components the Broncos are missing is a full starting defensive line. Trade for Chris Jones and let's get this oh, thing going. Oh, <laughs> man. That, and that's the other component that they're missing is a game wrecker. In order to be the best defensive line in the NFL, you have to have a game wrecker. And honestly, on the defensive line, there's not many. There's a handful. And, of course, Aaron Donald is the one everyone thinks of. Chris Jones is another one. In fact, I saw a bold prediction from a national reporter this year, this week that said this will be Chris Jones's last year with the Chiefs. Hmm. What if he did join the Broncos? I don't know if they'll have the money with I'm Russ, call but call up Neil Smith, my guy. Whoo, that would be yes, that would be incredible. And then they would have a full starting off defensive line. Then they would have a game wrecker. and then you have to have complementary pieces. When I mean complementary pieces, I mean someone great in run defense. They do have that. DJ Jones is great in run defense. Draymond Jones, maybe he can be that game wrecker, but he's not the game wrecker yet. If he goes out and gets paid $15 million this year, it's probably because he had a game wrecker type of season, right around 10 sacks is where the goal of he wants. But until we get there, until we see it, Broncos are missing a game wrecker. Uh, And then the depth, it's not, there's some good depth pieces, But it's not like you look and you say, wow, they are six deep and and they are really strong all over. Yeah. Uh,
2: I think you outlined it perfectly. They're also missing a third starter. We don't know who that is. So that to to me is like my biggest hang-up, as you can tell by me bringing it up three times now. It's like, okay, so who is it? Is it a rookie? Because now we're really, you know, gambling. Um, And that rookie it would be? any. Right. Or is it a career depth piece? Um, Deshaun Williams, yes. Jonathan Harris. Right. Exactly. Uh, and the truth is, no matter what the answer, obviously, any is the most exciting answer yep. um, with the highest upside. But it also has, he also probably would, you would say he has the, the lowest downside because we don't know what he is in the NFL like we do with the Deshaun Williams uh, or any of those other guys. So. That's my big, that's my number one hang up there. But like you said, where I am truly concerned is at the quality of pass rush they have from there. Um, DJ Jones, not a pass. He can get pressure, um, but he is not known for his pass rush from the inside. Five sacks in the past two years combined. Exactly. Uh, Draymond Jones obviously has a high ceiling there, has yet to show himself to be a. Is it fair to even say i guess he is a mid tier he' yep. definitely not shown himself to be top tier or even like second tier correct um so th- all of that combines to say like to me if this is a top half of the league defensive mm. line i'm probably happy with it mm. and and that's not a knock on those guys it's just like where it, where are we where I guess, where is the, the top end production coming from? We know that DJ Jones is going to plug it up in the middle and make it difficult to run the ball. That's great. Um, but you're really projecting Draymond, who, again, I I do project to be better this year. I don't know how much better. Um, and question mark number three on the other side, you're really projecting to say, like, well, yeah, this should be a top half of the, the league defensive line. I think it's like, That's where I would project them, right around the middle of the league. So if they end up 12, 11, 10, based on whatever metric
1: you want to use, I'm happy with that. This is going to sound very weird, but the way this defensive line could be better than your expectations is by having fewer of them on the field, instead of having three but in a mismatched third starter or a rookie who's still learning or a quality backup that has to play, you have only two guys, and that's DJ Jones and Draymond Jones. And the reason you do that is if you're playing a lot of dime. And then you have two outside linebackers, you have two defensive line, and then you have a whole bunch of guys in the secondary on the field. And then we're talking about, okay, Draymond Jones, he's your powerful pass rusher. DJ Jones, he can get a little bit of push up there too, but he's going to hold his own. In the run game and then where you really hope that this defensive line can get an advantage is Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb and Nick Benito and Jonathan Cooper are going off on the edges so that they have to give more attention to both of those guys on the outside, which then will allow DJ Jones to be more one on one and Draymond Jones to be one on one. And one of the things DJ said when we talked to him this week, Ryan, was this defense is perfect for me. And the follow up was, why is it perfect? And he said, I can't tell you too much but it's going to allow a lot of one-on-ones for the defensive linemen. And so I have to imagine that means there's a lot of one-on-ones because the pass rush is taking up a lot of attention from the offensive line. And then if that happens, that's how DJ Jones gets to five sacks, which is his goal this season. That's how Draymond Jones approaches or gets to 10 sacks, which is his goal this season. And my question to you, Ryan, is... Both of those guys, and we just talked to Javante Williams today when asked about his individual goals. He said, I just want to win a Super Bowl. Most times, when you ask guys about individual goals, they don't tell you. These guys, very open about it. Draymond wants to get to 10-plus sacks. DJ Jones wants to get to 5-plus sacks. What's more likely? Uh, Draymond.
2: Why? Because he has flashed pass-rushing ability. Um, and, And again, I think... You know uh dj is a guy who can push the pocket um but that's basically like that's his job i think it's weird these guys are talking about sack numbers because sacks are so consequential um like if anyone should know that it's them why are they talking about sack numbers before the season i guess von once told us he was trying to get 30 sacks so (laughs) like like, at least like that is his defined job you know it's basically go sack the quarterback these guys, their job was a lot more nuanced than that, in my opinion. So it's like
1: it's like Russ saying his goal is to get five rushing touchdowns. Exactly,
2: <laughs> exactly. Or it's like um, I don't know. It'd be like me talking about like retweets, you know, mm, like or right, like, right. I guess like it is kind of part of my job. Sure, but, sure. Uh, it's The more of,
1: you have, probably the better.
2: Right. Yeah. I mean, no one t- <laughs> like no one ever tells me like, hey, you better be getting hundred retweets a day or you're not doing your job you right? don't get
1: those mandatory emails from <laughs> <Yeah>. management <laughs>
2: uh, so like it if it happens it means i'm probably doing my job pretty well right right uh, unless it happens for the wrong reasons <laughs> right, i don't think true. sacks usually happen <laughs> for the wrong reasons no but if it happens it means they're doing their job well likely mm-hmm. but If it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean they aren't doing their job well. Right. And so I think it's a weird thing. I think of all people that should know that it's football players. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. You know, like, your job isn't really that dependent on getting sacks. The guys outside of you, that's more their job than yours. Um, And so, for me, it's like, I, I lean Draymond. I think he could do it. But I... I just think it should be, like, if, if I'm a, a a defensive lineman someone's asked me, like, hey, what's your goal this year? I would say, like, I don't know. I want us to be the best defensive line in the league or something oh, like that. That's what
1: DJ Jones <laughs> said, right, baby. Right. right. <laughs>
2: um, but they're also still sitting there talking about sacks. And it's like, you're just, there's so much that goes into a sack. It is so consequential. You're, like, for DJ Jones, it's like, the way you're getting sacks is, like, both edge guys get a ton of pressure, and the guy goes forward, and you grab him as he's going by, or right. like
1: something like that. Right. It's just weird. And what Jose says, which is a great point, is because sacks equals money. They're they're thinking about themselves, and I mean Draymond Jones says. Not straight up said that, but when talking about his performance last year, he said, I left a lot, left a lot of money out there, meaning he didn't get enough sacks. Don't and, like that either. <laughs> and that's just how these guys are viewing it, especially with Draymond on a contract. Your DJ's a little bit different. He just went from a sixth-round pick to making – $10 million a year with $20 million guaranteed. So he's sitting pretty. So Ryan, you, you talk about this. What's What would be better for this defensive line? To dominate in pass rush and be average in run defense? Or dominate in run defense and be average in pass rush?
2: Oh, this is such a hard question. Um, because my gut, my instant reaction is dominate run defense. Make other teams one-dimensional. And I think I'll stay there maybe. The teams you're playing are already one-dimensional. Right. Half of your schedule is, is built off of one-dimensional teams. And I don't even really think they ca- like. I think if the Chiefs go up against a team that is really good at stopping the run, they're like,
1: well, oh, cool, we can scratch that off the, thing, uh, the to-do list this week. We don't even have to try and run the ball because we know it won't work. And, and I'll just take, play devil's advocate and take the other side. Because these teams are already one-dimensional, kill them where they're good at and that's pass rush. Get to them before they can throw the ball and try to make Clyde Edwards-Hilaire beat you. Try to make Austin Eckler beat you yeah. on the ground. Josh Jacobs on the ground. Um, but if those teams have success on the ground, then you're in trouble. You are, kinda. I mean... I guess, actually, it would be better for them to have success on the ground the, than So, Patrick yeah, that's Holmes. what I was going to say.
2: I'm going to come back to be elite as pass rushers. Um, and again, it's that feels crazy for me to even say, um, but if Draymond Jones gets 10 sacks this year, it means that things were clicking and working really well for that defense, in my opinion. Um, so I'll say I would rather have them be great at rushing the passer and just okay at stopping the run, um, which I think it's actually going to be the other way around, um, and, and, and that's okay as long as Bradley Chubb and Randy Gregory and, you know, the rest of those guys behind them are doing their job and making it difficult on the passer. Um, Mm -hmm. so when I look at how good can this group be, I have to start by answering the question. Who's the third guy. We'll say that, uh, it's any, and I'm saying 10, and I don't even know what metric you measure this off of. Um, that you know, there's all sorts of different stuff out there that you can use. Um,
1: uh, I'm saying 10 is probably the right around their ceiling. So, here's how it goes above that to be an even higher ceiling. And I don't expect this to happen, that's why I agree with you. Uh, here's how it happens though is any picks up where he left off in college, which is such a difficult thing to ask any player to do, especially stats from college to stats in the NFL. And any is not going to do this, but last year he had nine sacks in mm-hmm. college, which is incredible coming from a defensive lineman at any level, uh, definitely college as well. If he's able to have six sacks this year, that would be what Draymond Jones did last year with, right. with with six and a half. That would be incredible. And then if Draymond Jones takes that step up where he's at 10 sacks and he is that dominant type of beast on the inside, and then you have DJ Jones great in the run game, and then you have any who's an above-average defensive lineman, okay, there's your formula right there because I think the Broncos' depth is good enough to be depth. I don't think they're good enough to step in and be the starters on this defensive line. But then you have the formula right there. I just think that's you're asking one guy right now is is doing that, and that's DJ Jones in the run game. I think he's that dominant in the run game where I can count on him to be elite there. Draymond Jones, you're asking him to take a big step up from about six sacks a season to ten. That's a huge jump, what he, which he's not there yet. And then any, he's a rookie. I, I don't expect him to get come in and have six sacks. And when I say six sacks, I'm talking about the pressures that come with it and, and being that type of player.
2: Yeah, I think the one thing that this group really lacks is star power. And so you need one of these guys to emerge as a star. Um, and, and I also think it's fair to say... They traded away the best piece on this line. Mm. Now, it was a very worthy trade, uh, and, and I've said countless times that I don't, even, you know, I don't miss them, but I think it's true. Shelby Harris would have been the best player on the, uh, going into the year on paper. We decided he's the
1: best player on the line. And then you feel really good about this line because Certainly then any is a backup right you're now with his piece. development. Then you're saying, okay, when he steps in next year or two years from now to be that starter, you can expect six sacks out of him potentially. But now he's in that. He's, he you he got to microwave, his development right now. Yeah,
2: exactly. So um, Shelby was probably the closest thing they had to a star. Now they, you know, DJ maybe should be a star. The dudes, you know, was in the NFC championship game last year and no one heard of him until the Broncos signed him. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's not a star. Although maybe he could be. But it's really to me, it just comes up comes down to Draymond. If this group is gonna be anywhere near their potential, Draymond Jones needs to be a name that is talked about on, you know, the one hundred national broadcasts that the Broncos play on this year. Uh, when they're when they're talking about hey here are the impact players you know and they bring up a little graphic like Draymond Jones needs to be on that
1: mm-hmm. he does and so D J Jones was with arguably the best defensive line these past few years out in San Francisco and I'm not talking about the edge guys and Nick Bosa I'm talking about De- DeForest Buckner or Eric Armstead Javon Kinlaw which, which that's been crazy this week with Javon Kinlaw. Oh. Can
2: you give me a spark notes? I'm Holy just like cow. seeing the
1: shrapnel, and I don't understand. So I think this reporter, I don't remember the name, his Grant name. Grant Cohn? Yes, Grant Cohn has Cope? been uh, – he really gets on players' nerves. And he said something to Kinlaw as he walked off the field during OTAs this week or in, in the locker room, and I, I, I don't know what he said to him, but that pissed Kinlaw off. And so he was doing like a – you, it wasn't on YouTube because I didn't recognize the format, but an Instagram live or something, and Kinlaw popped on and no just way. started tearing him apart. And I mean, he he was saying stuff, um, you know, like you don't know who I am, that stuff. Saying my balls are bigger than yours. <laughs> I mean, he was he was going every single direction. And then so the next day, and they had, and it was a really bad look on on everyone that, including
2: that, Kinlaw. Oh yeah.
1: Yeah, okay, it was right. it, it, it was a really bad look. And then the next day, John Lynch had both of them in his office. Oh, my God. To, to settle this. Yeah, I, I'm just shocked they didn't pull credentials. I feel like it, Broncos, bro, your your bro. credentials are gone.
2: There's no <laughs> way if this happens, that results in us getting a
1: meeting with George Payton. Right, right, right. George Payton and one of their star players yes. one-on-one. <laughs> and they apparently, uh, Cohen uh, s- said that they shook hands at the end and they're all good. And then I think Kinlaw last night said like, uh, someone told me that Kinlaw said, uh, yeah, I, they told me to shake his hand. So we're not all good. <laughs> and when this was all happening, uh, other players on the 49ers were coming out in his defense saying, yeah, this, I saw George this, Kittle. Like, yeah. that's like one of the things I saw. Right. I'm like, what right. is going on here? And I think there were even more teammates. And so when you have all of that happening, it's like, okay, this probably wasn't just one comment that was taken the wrong way.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Again I don't know enough about this to truly have a stance I just have to say it sucks so much for guys like you and I when there's yeah. people like that in the media who exist just to like rub people the wrong way and yep. rile people up yeah um and, and especially when it's the players because then that creates a distrust between them and us and it's like hundred percent I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with players when when you finally get an opportunity to have their ear where I'm like dude I'm not out to get you like this is the last thing I ever want to do like yeah. I want to tell your story I want to yeah. share uh interesting thoughts that you have with our fan base like all this stuff the last thing I want to do is like be like gotcha like got gotcha you to say <laughs> right, something stupid right. now I'm gonna go blast it out to everyone yeah. so yeah that sucks. that really sucks yeah uh, also it from the other side it can suck you know when players single out media hmm <laughs> I don't know what that's like <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Um but it feels like just based off what I'm reading here, I've, it seems like this guy's uh you know, just there to be a thorn in people's side. Yep,
1: and uh and it worked. I mean, he he poked the bear. That's for sure. <laughs> Certainly did. Bear with big old balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He made a note. He said a couple of times. <laughs> uh, uh, so, anyways. Use code DNVR. Manscaped. <laughs> y- 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 <laughs> oh, you may need uh, two two manscapes for those. <laughs> <laughs> more <Baltimore> 8.0. <0. laughs> Seriously, oh man. uh So, anyways, Buckner. Oh, DJ Jones has been around to force Buckner. Probably knows Cohen. Probably has. A uh, uh, a opinion on him. Eric Armstead, Javon Kinlaw, and those are guys, all first-round picks, Ryan, all have been talked about as being great defensive players. Surprisingly enough, in my mind, only DeForest Buckner has a Pro Bowl or an All-Pro, but he has multiple Pro Bowls, multiple All-Pros. I thought Eric Armstead was kind of borderline, and I guess he hasn't got it yet. But anyways, when DJ Jones earlier this week was asked, you've been around so many good players um, on the defensive line. Do you see similar traits in Draymond Jones and before the question could even be finished uh DJ jumped in and said yes he's very disruptive I love it I've told him many times that my old coach would have loved him I'm glad he's here with me and I'm glad I'm here with him I'm glad we're here with this group but this was a very convincing one and again sometimes we do have to read between the lines because most of the time players aren't going to throw their own teammates or coaches under the bus this one was one where he truly believes that so now we're talking okay go be that DeForest Buckner Draymond Jones Everyone says this about Draymond. Everyone's really confident in Draymond.
2: They were last year. Yeah. Um I want is does he just blow people away in practice? And I'm not saying he doesn't play well in in games by yeah. any stretch. But like it feels like everyone thinks he's always on the verge of stardom.
1: And I think a big reason for that is every single year he's shown incredible flashes. Yeah. I mean, he is a rookie. He was the defensive player of the week in the AFC after he had two and a half sacks in a game and then we've seen that every single year he's had a a two sack game where he's just been a beast and it's not that he disappears the rest of the time it's just not that beastly performance and obviously no one especially defensive linemen is not going to get two sacks every single week but he'll go I think the beginning of last year he went like almost the first half of the season without a sack and then he finished really strong but in order to be great in order to get 10 sacks last year he had five and a half if he would have done what he did In the second half of the season the whole season that's you you can ask for that that's 11 sacks that's doable but he's only did it in half the season
2: yeah yeah okay that's fair flashes um and if the broncos can get those flashes to turn into consistency then i think they can be a top 10-ish defensive line Love to be able to say they could be number one. I just don't. I mean, just even if you take DJ Jones out of San Francisco, listen to some of those names that you listed off. Yeah. Uh, those are, you know, big time players um, that the Broncos, I think, are aspiring to be.
1: Right. I- exactly. All
2: right. Uh, Want to remind you guys to come hang out at the DNVR bar tomorrow. Whoo, Tomorrow. Uh, going <laughs> to be a big one. I, I said it this morning. I tweeted it out. I'm like, this is going to be the longest Thursday ever because tomorrow mm. morning we have the DNVR golf tournament which is going to be 10 out of 10 fun. And that'll lead, that'll do a great job of taking out some of the right, anxiety right. and yep. wait yep. for game six avs blues down here at the bar. Um, the homie from the Madden League, Jarrell, came through last night. Nice. Um, not like necessarily an Aves guy, a big yeah. Broncos guy, and just kind of soaked in the atmosphere. And he was yeah. like, dude, this is amazing. So shout out Jarrell for coming out. Um, but if you come down here, you see this place uh, during a, a game like this, you'll be your your jaw's gonna hit the floor just about how
1: cool it is it's the only thing that's even close to what it's like to be at the stadium you know there was a media member when i was at broncos earlier today saying yeah it's you know it's a bummer the Avs blew it but it's a bummer for my schedule now because i have to work on friday night and i was uh. thinking oh man there's the, the it's awesome like it's a bummer that the Avs lost for sure yeah uh, especially the fashion they did it's it's terrible i'll talk to you about it in a second but it's awesome that a friday night Avs hockey game gets to be here so i viewed it the completely opposite way in my mind like yeah i wish that it was over that that it was over but this place is going to be lit it's gonna be
2: rocking i mean yesterday was a home game and we always know like a big portion of our people are the people that go to the game right and it was still just like wall to wall when mckinnon scored that Oh. I'm so sad that that's not just like one of the most legendary goals in Avs history, which I think it would have been if it elevated them to the Western Conference Finals. And they could close the damn thing out.
1: Um, no, Ryan, I, I'm not going to pretend like I'm the biggest hockey guy ever, but that was the best goal that I've seen like live. With, no, I wasn't there, but you know, with my eyes when it was happening, and it just—I don't want to be crazy, but that was Gretzky-esque, bro.
2: It was unbelievable. It looked like everyone else was stuck. Yep. And he got he got the puck behind the net. Yep. Yep. He went the entire ice and just made everyone look like statues. Yep. Uh, that were just there to witness his greatness. And here's my take on it. The fact that it was a hat trick was actually a bad thing. Why? Because everyone throws their hat on the ice. Of course. Right. We we're throwing hats in yep. the bar. Yep. Yep. Um, and it gave the blues, who just had their souls snatched right out of their body, like 10 minutes to try and get them back. Uh, they had to clean the ice. And so if you have to go drop that puck 30 seconds later, right. you're th- your head is spinning. You're like, oh, my God, we mm. just blew it. But they got to sit there and regain and regather their confidence and say, hey, we've got whatever, three-something minutes left. Let's go get a goal and tie this thing up. And what an unfortunate thing that is. But
1: I, th- I really think it mattered. But you did say before the podcast – that you're not worried. Which, which which I'm glad to hear. I'm not surprised to hear, but I'm all, I'm also glad to hear because for me there's a, a little bit of panic in terms of they do have two games, which I like. But man, if if St. Louis the Abs are clearly the better team. Just watch the first period and a half. It, it mm-hmm. it's not even fair. But if St. Louis goes back to St. Louis where they did lose both games last time mm-hmm. and just have the confidence that they had at the end of the game and win that game, than anything could happen in Game 7.
2: Yeah, and for sure. But, again, Game Seven's at home. You know, like, this is why you go be last year the best team in hockey based on points, this year, second best team in hockey, so that if you find yourself in this situation, you have a massive advantage. And to me, like, this happened, you know, the Avs were on the other side of this a couple years ago when they played the Sharks. They came back. They won Game Six at home. Everyone's going crazy. Oh man, they stole all the momentum, and then you know the Sharks beat them in Game Seven. Um, so, I hockey maybe more than any other sport. I kind of think that each game kind of exists more in a vacuum than some of these other series sports. I'd say baseball probably really does too. Um, but I'm not worried.
1: The better team shouldn't lose three games in a row. I agree. I completely agree with that. And you can get some money by betting on the Avs by going over to our friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. And you can actually have money going into tomorrow night's Avs game if you place a $5 bet on the Golden State Warriors or the Dallas Mavericks tonight in what I think will be their final game of the series. Just place a $5 money line bet for new customers and you'll get $150 in your account right away. You don't even have to win the bet. Just place those $5 and you will get $150 in your account, which then you can use on the Avs tomorrow. I believe Puckline Avs minus 1.5 is plus 140, I believe. Yeah, so, so you get a little juice there, and so you can make money on them over there. I personally, tonight... I like Warriors minus seven. I think they're going to win. Uh, it's the Warriors formula. They they win the first three, lose game four, then win game five at home. I unfortunately think what happened to the Nuggets is what's going to happen to the Mavericks tonight. There
2: are legitimate Warriors fans who believe that their owner like makes that a <laughs> mandate. You can't sweep. We want that extra oh home game. Oh my
1: gosh, that would if you're that good, that's disgusting.
2: Yeah, and. They are pretty disgusting good. They
1: are, and it disgusts me, but I like, win money. like winning money off of them, and I've done that over at DraftKings Sportsbook. So check them out. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get $150 in free bets by placing a $5 money line bet on any NBA basketball game, including the one tonight over at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado-only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. And when you sign up, use promo code DNVR.
2: Finally, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, who it's going to be a big Breck Brew Friday tomorrow because Breck Brew, <laughs> oh. they've got a tent out at the golf tournament. So, you know, we'll be drinking Breck Brews there. We're going to come back here, drink more Breck Brews, good company, hard seltzers, all that stuff. So when you come down to the bar, uh, if you're coming to the golf tournament or if you're just anywhere in the country, you can use the Breck Brew locator to find the nearest Breck Brews to you. It's going to be a beautiful weekend, I'm sure, in most of the country get out on a porch, drink a Breck brew. There's nothing quite like it. Also real quick. Yesterday was uh, the homie Nashville Broncos birthday. Hey. So uh, Joey, happy birthday,
1: happy birthday, Joey. And
2: then also want to say uh, uh, one, of, one of our guys in the Madden league, Scott having a tough week this week. Uh, so just wanted to say, Hey, we were thinking of you man. thinking of your family and uh, hope you're doing well.
1: Yeah. Shout out Scott. We, uh, we, we love that you roll with us. Yeah. You mean a lot to us. Okay. Let's
2: move on here to some comments made today by Javante Williams, who, like you said to me afterwards, eh, not the most talkative guys, Javante (laughs) and Pat. But Javante Williams said something to me, and again, I'll rely on you for the full quote that really opened my eyes about the complexity of this offense.
1: And what he said was uh, one of the things that Nathaniel Hackett preaches in every single meeting – is this offense is supposed to confuse the defense. And here's a quote. He said, you want everything to look the same so the defense doesn't know what's coming. This is probably the most complex offense I've been in. I feel like it's going to be the best because you never know what's coming. Mm, I love that. Um, <clears throat> it's
2: it's interesting um, because I feel like for years, the Broncos ha- haven't been confusing defenses at all. I think we've talked on this podcast before about how like why does it feel like the Broncos never have anyone just like running wide open because the defense got so tricked or there was a breakdown in coverage like I feel like the Broncos haven't had a breakdown in coverage fall in their favor in 5 years. <laughs> yeah. Now, a couple things cause that. One, uh the complexity of the offense. And the design of the offense, which we trust Nathaniel Hackett is going to be very good at. And the other is, of course, the quarterback. You know, what's going to happen at some point is Russ is going to scramble one way and turn back and scramble the other way. And someone who was chasing him going one way was supposed to be covering a guy and he'll leak up down the sideline. You know, they'll have a wide open touchdown. Um, But I think that sometimes the word complexity – around the offense can sometimes be scary mm-hmm. um and i have been a proponent of dumbing down offenses in the past but mm. but there was a big important difference between those offenses and this offense and that was who was running them yeah you this is this is dumbing it down significantly but there's only really one person who has to truly master the offense yep and it's the quarterback yep Everyone else just has to be able to listen to him as he tells them what to do, and then go do it. And, you know, obviously understand the language and all that, but basically, especially in a West Coast system, for the most part, what happens is the quarterback has this long play call. And the reason it's long is because it's the quarterback's job to tell every person what they're doing on the play. Now, not necessarily like, hey, the guard, you're blocking this guy, but essentially the route for each receiver is, you know if it's play action which side is it going to all that jazz and when it was paxton lynch running the offense i was like banging my head saying he can't do that a play paxton (laughs) yes (laughs) figure something else out because you cannot you're just you're setting yourself and him up for failure by asking him to do that he can't do it figure something else out he was looking up you know pictures of, like, Lee Corso and Kate Upton on the sideline at Memphis. He can't do that. Well, you know who can? Russell Wilson. Yeah. So I truly completely changed my take on this. I do not care how complex the offense is because I know for a fact Russell Wilson can handle it.
1: And, Ryan, when there's a play call that's 16 words long and half of them are in a different language and uh, it's confusing, uh, the only person that has to know everything – is Russ. Yep. Russ already knows everything. And in fact, Javante said the great thing about Russ is that he's like a coach on the field. He says he tells us where to go if I forget what exactly I'm supposed to do on this play. And they've only been doing this for a week now on the field. Russ knows what to do. Russ tells me, puts me in the right position. That is, I, I'm happy that Javante told us that because that, that's just a huge advantage. And then you can have that very complex offense. And then if your running back doesn't know where to go, your quarterback tells him.
2: And if he still goes the wrong way, then you get God damn it, Donald. <laughs>
1: yes, <yeah. laughs> and then you get put on the bench and you never see the ball again. <laughs> yeah, most likely. Um,
2: yeah, I mean, I, Javante said, like, there's not a question I can ask that Russ can't answer. Yep, exactly. And how wild is that, man? He's, you know, they, he's only been around this offense for, what, two months? Yep. He knows everything already? Yep. <laughs> yep.
1: Keep making it more complex. That That's the grinding part. And so you may say, well, okay. How is Javante supposed to know exactly what hole to hit, though, because Russ can't follow him as the play's going? And this is one thing that's encouraging about this, is when Javante was asked about, okay, you're going into a new system, not just a new playbook, but a new system of outside zone. Uh, Is it going to be tough? How much of a transition is it it is for you? He said, it's really just get the ball and run to the open hole. People try to complicate it and make it more than it is. So the actual, like, when the play's going isn't that much more complicated at all it's the pre-snap stuff it's trying to disguise it it's Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson creating plays that look the exact same and then instead of going a far right handoff zone to Javante Williams then you break that back and in half a second Russ is on the other side of the field with a wide open tight end that that's that's gone across the field yeah
2: I mean this stuff is is pretty simple in terms of like game theory or whatever you want to call it um but like Go watch any of the great offenses, and you'll see this stuff over and over again. And they'll go into a week with a different thing. Like, I remember, I don't know, this was like such a beautiful example of it for me. Um, but two years ago, I think it was it two years ago, Alabama in the national championship with Devontae Smith. Mm hmm. Yep. They went into that game with this orbit motion from Devontae Smith, and they were moving him around the entire game, but it, it was the same. It started the same every time, you know, he's lined up on one side, he starts coming the other way and they went back to it and they had so many plays off it. I, you know, they scored a touchdown off of him, and it seems like this shouldn't work, but he goes orbit motion one way and the defense just kind of starts, okay, he's going this way. And then he just sprints back and they snap it and throw it the other way. And like yep. the, it's why he walks into the end zone. Yep. Um, and like that to me was like, it was so good as Steve Sarkeesian at the time. And I was just like, oh, this was like a master class in just setting up a defense. All for, you know, you you'll you'll a lot of these are just set up plays. All for something like that where you need a touchdown, you're on the goal line, boom, let's go to it. And it works.
1: And on top of that, especially with that motion, which I expect to see a lot more in this offense, especially since Russ can can handle that, is the Chiefs, when they get within the five yards of the, of the end zone, they just do so much motion. And when you're trying to think that much right before a play, that's so tough on a defense. And that is so confusing for a defense. And so I have to imagine this is going to be ingrained in the Broncos' offense because what well, what a nightmare thing. A guy's running, KJ Hammer's running full speed right, and you're like, oh, shit, I have to go cover this guy. And then all of a sudden, once you, once you realize that and you're breaking to him, then he cuts back the other way. Oh, and then it's Albert O getting a handoff up the middle of the field and you're like what just happened In, in those half a second
2: yeah uh it seems like it should be obvious that confusing the defense should be the number one you know and maybe not the number one goal but one of your main goals um, and yet, last year, we saw Jerry Judy run up jet motion 180 <laughs> times with zero handoffs.
1: Yeah, he, uh, uh, Pat Shermer heard, oh, motion creates confusion. Good. Here we go. Doing <laughs> the same one every single time. Entire game. <laughs> At least
2: he got his cardio in. He did. He, uh, he, he, and he knew it. Yes, he certainly did. And right, uh, One more thing I wanted to say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Javante Williams, that that little quote that you just said makes me really confident. In, in his ability to make this transition to the outside zone uh, or just, you know, the entire zone running scheme. It really is that simple. Right. And the fact that he feels that it's that simple means it's simple to him. Right. And to me, it's so simple that if it's blocked well, which we'll see if it is, it's why anyone can do it. It's why when when Kyle Shanahan is the head coach, you everyone's trying to get whoever you know, the next guy up is anytime someone gets injured in their fantasy league, they're like, Oh, Jeffrey Wilson or something, you know, like, Oh yeah, he's going to go for a hundred next week because if, if the offensive line gets it down and and that's going to be the biggest challenge, all you do is just run to where it's open and that requires vision for sure. But Terrell Davis, Ruben drones, Alandis, Gary, Mike Anderson, Peyton Hillis, I mean, you just – Ryan Terrain did it for a couple weeks. Mike Bell. Like,
1: if they get it down, all you got to do is run. Yep. So that simple. And, Ryan, that, that's why it's silly to say, but it boils down to this offensive success boils down to the offensive line. Because, look, this Broncos offense is going to be very good regardless of how good the offensive line is because Russ can scramble on every single play. And especially what I saw this week in OTAs, he can scramble on every play and still be successful way more than half the time. And so, boom, there you go. You're, you're going to be fine with Russ. But if you can't run the ball as successfully because the offensive line isn't the one to get the the, the outside zone scheme down, it's a lot more complicated for them than it is the running back, uh, then you're going to become more one-dimensional. And then if the offensive line isn't able to block and Russ is scrambling all the time, you want him to scramble when he wants to, not have to every single time. So that's what takes this offense from being a good offense this year to being really good as if this offensive line comes together quickly.
2: I mean, if Javante starts ripping off 15 20-yard runs out of there, and Melvin Gordon's coming on his heels doing it too. This could be the best offense in the
1: NFL. It could be. It it absolutely could be. And what to expect from the running backs? Well, Javante was asked today, what do you expect the relationship and dynamic to be like with Melvin Gordon now that he's back? Because this is the first time we've talked to him since Melvin signed. Uh, And he said, last year it was fine, this year it's going to be fine. Too short? Yeah, yeah. And, and and it was kind of like he made it clear that there was no follow up there. Like he, he didn't want to follow up. I, I should have we should have followed up that the media dropped the ball just a little bit there. Um, But it, it was interesting. And and then he, he asked about his individual expectations. He said, I just want to win a Super Bowl. Uh, he he's had that mindset. All the way. These 14 months in the NFL of just, I'm all about the team. So you love that. But one of the things he dropped in about the running backs role was the running backs have a lot more on their plate this year. He said, we're pretty much running backs and wide receivers now. So that also tells me, okay. It's what we've been talking about. Russ is going to eat from passing the ball, and the way they're going to integrate these running backs is by throwing them the ball in the passing game. Of course, they're going to run the ball as well, but Ryan, you've been saying kind of 60-40 potentially for this split. Uh, it may be even more than that because of they use 5% of their running plays as now passing plays just an extension of the running mm, game. That's fair. That's interesting.
2: I... I I almost feel like that's the most controversial thing we've ever heard from Javante. Wow. Like He he doesn't really ever say that much. So for him to be like, yep, it's fine. We'll be fine again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like a little spicy. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And it tells me like eh, he probably wasn't exactly thrilled when they brought Melvin back.
1: Mm, And what's interesting is we talked to Javante. The last time we talked to Javante was about noon on a couple days before the draft, noon on a Tuesday. At 5 p.m. or 8 p.m. that Tuesday night, they brought they brought Melvin Gordon back. And when we asked Javante about anything with Melvin, like do you want him back, do you want another guy, he said, oh, I've been in contact with Melvin. He He's doing good. It's like, oh, did you know that uh, he was he was coming back in eight hours about from now? Interesting. Are, are running backs low-key
2: divas? Because... Remember Phil was kind of pissed off when they brought oh, Melvin yeah. in too. Oh
1: yeah, absolutely. Anyone anyone different. that's a dependent position that gets the ball is absolutely a diva.
2: And I guess it's, a, it's different for running backs even than than wide receivers because like quarterback in most scenarios you can really only have one on the field at the to, at, at any given time. Good point. Um so in most scenarios if Melvin Gordon's on the field that means Javante Williams is not Mm -hmm. and I guess from that standpoint I understand what I would say to Javante is this is actually works in your favor as long as you continue to make the most of your opportunities because if you were the bell cow for this team for the next three years when your contract is up they're gonna say ah yeah well you know. You've already had a thousand carries and based on our metrics, that's when running backs kind of start to tail off. So sorry, bud, we're just not going to be able to pay you that much. Whereas, you know, if you split with Melvin this year and then maybe, you know, you have some help next year, then when you get to your contract, you get to say, like, hey, man, like I've been here for four years, but I really only have the tread of two.
1: Mm-hmm. And especially since he's a second-round pick, he can get a new contract after year three. So all he has to do is get through this year, then one full year by himself, show what he can do, put up those numbers of, of just being a solo right. bell cow back, and then say, show me the money, baby. Yep.
2: And I think where his, his money will come from, we didn't really see it last year, is him making plays in the passing game this year. Yeah, And it's something that, you know, again, I, I, pretty much any time a Javante conversation comes up, I'll bring up the Jocena Anderson tweet where they were like, yeah, he has the fast catching ability of Alvin Kamara with the running ability of Nick Chubb. And there was some other guy thrown in yeah. there too. Yeah. And it was like, whoa, um, okay. We saw the Nick Chubb flashes yep. last year. Yep. In fact, I think he was actually beating Nick Chubb or beat Nick Chubb. Or was it broken tackles per carry that he he was better? I don't even know. Either way, he flashed the Nick Chubb. He definitely didn't flash the Alvin Kamara, although he did score a touchdown, I believe, uh, on a passing play against the Chargers. Let's but just say just he like,
1: let's, let's just say he flashed the Nick, not the Chubb. He didn't flash the Chubb. Okay, well yeah. that's good.
2: Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't he didn't look dynamic as a pass catcher last yep. year. This year there'll be a lot more opportunities to do that. If he does that, that's where he's really gonna prove his value to this offense. And when he comes calling for that contract. And speaking of this... And, and Melvin Gordon's another guy who we heard, you know, when, when they brought him in, oh, Joe Flacco loves throwing to uh, his running backs. <laughs> yeah. He's going to... Right? That was Flack, Flacco yeah. and Melvin? Yeah. yeah. He's going to
1: love Melvin. Yeah. Williams,
2: 31, the most broken tackle
1: yeah. in the that's yep. absurd. Just above Najee and Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb. Look at that list, man. Yep.
2: Javante Williams, Najee Harris, Jonathan Taylor,
1: Nick Chubb. And one of the things. And Alvin you, Kamara. Look at the uh, attempts that he had. He had 203 attempts, the exact same amount as Melvin Gordon. You uh, had 300 for all of those other guys outside of Kamara.
2: Melvin Gordon, notably, also
1: top 10. Yep. Yep. true. <sighs> that's dope yeah it's really dope and that 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 speaks to your point about being fresh you can do more when you're fresh and so one of the things about being fresh is not taking as many hits and today Javante Williams was asked uh have you thought about having conversations with coaches about maybe not seeking out contact as much going out of bounds instead of picking up that extra yard Ryan what was his answer no yeah it was nah. (laughs) <laughs> um, he He's like that's not my game that That's not what got me here What got me here is this and I'm going to keep doing it
2: Jose checking me a little bit said Javante had three receiving TDs I think I can remember two of them um, Wow One was the long one against the Chargers That was so loud um, And then I think there was one That was just like a little dump off in the flat Remember he It was kind of like a late check down And then he got it and just like bowled his way into the end zone Right 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 I can't remember the third one, but even then, just in terms of, like, running routes, I hardly saw that.
1: Yeah, and I, I agree, and now there's, there's going to be a lot more of that to his game. Yep. And, Ryan, today we also did talk to Pat Sertan, um, and we all know the high expectations for Sertan, and he's just such a calm dude where you don't get much out of him. But did you see the highlights from Broncos practice yesterday? Uh, yes. Cale, mm, can we pull that up really quick? He did not get mossed. He no, he didn't, but Pat Sertan talked about this yeah, today. He yeah. said it was a great throw. Hold on, hold on. Let's 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 get it up so the people can see it. We go. Here we go. So this is a practice yesterday. Cortland Sutton, deep ball. Oh. I mean That is perfect coverage from Pat Sertan. I mean, he is running side-by-side with him, shoulder-to-shoulder. Pat Sertan has his hand in between Cortland Sutton's two hands. Cortland Sutton just highballs it, and there's nothing a cornerback can do there. I mean, nothing. It was a a perfect throw. And Pat Sertan commented on this today. He brought it up himself, just about the, the wonders of Russell Wilson. He just said, yeah, it was a it was a fantastic throw. I was in great coverage, and it was just a great throw. And that's exactly what it, what it was. Because you know what, my guess is all of last year when Pat Sertan was in that good of coverage, there was zero no completions. completions. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: and how good is that for him? Because we've you know talked about it ad nauseum. That's the quality of quarterback they're facing pretty much on a week to week basis. Yep, exactly. Um, so get used to it. Uh, I will say he, there wasn't nothing he could do, but. What could it he It would do? have been he, like a 100th percentile play if he knocked that away. I just think he could have left his feet. Just
1: more. Uh, okay.
2: Like gotten up so that his hand was a little bit higher than Cortland's and knocked it away. Okay. But, I mean, it's like I said, it would have been a 100th percentile play from a corner to make that play. But just the fact that he got his hand in there means to me that, like, if his hand was just a little bit higher, right, he right. could have knocked it out.
1: Right. Yeah. Who, who, who wins that more often than not? Cortland or Pat?
2: Cortland. Really? Well, I just, again, it's like, there's, there's the old saying, like, there's no defense for a perfect throw. No. That actually wasn't a perfect throw. It was a little it, underthrown. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, could have
1: been a little more outside shoulder. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> um,
2: but I, I, you know, I, I think the offense has a huge advantage in those in those scenarios.
1: Mm-hmm. And I, just, I, love it. I love that that the Broncos are going to have that matchup of Cortland and Sertan every single day.
2: Man. Iron sharpens iron.
1: Yep, that's exactly what Pat said today too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. That I like. I thought that was like an original thing when Demarcus Ware said it, but. I don't. That's everywhere. Yeah, I thought it was
1: too, and I think it's just something that's been around forever. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's biblical. <laughs> yeah, right. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um it's like iron sharpens iron, as one man sharpens another man, or something like that. Wow. Straight up in the Bible.
1: Wow, impressive. Yeah, I've used it in a lead. What you page? Had this <laughs> 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 that's a uh, Demarcus uh, 314. Mm, hey, there we go. Or wouldn't it be uh 394? Yeah. Well, hey, nice. Yeah. Solid. So, <laughs> nine four. Is yeah, that a, 9 4. <laughs> is <that a> thing?
2: <laughs> um, okay. Anything else from those two guys today that you wanted to touch on? That's about it. Okay. All right. Quiet guys. Uh, let's give a shout out to Green Mountain Dental, uh, the best and family owned dentist group in the metro area. And when you sign up for a cleaning, x ray, and exam over there, Green Mountain Dental, they'll hook you up with a free Sonicare toothbrush. It's a great value in itself. Um, but also, you'll find your new dentist out here in the metro area, just 15 minutes outside of Denver, uh, really downtown Denver over there in Lakewood. Um, great spot. They have, they'll treat you great. They'll treat you like family. They're part of the DNVR family. They've supported us as long as anyone almost. Uh, and so we really appreciate when you guys go and support them over at green mountain dental group.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And Ryan, one of the things we also support is everyone tuning in with us, whether you're live, whether you're on the podcast side. And if you are tuning in live right now, please hit us with a thumbs up on YouTube. It really helps us hit that subscribe button and also turn on alerts because sometimes Broncos change their media availability time like they did today, which makes us change our show time. So if you want to know anytime we're going live, hit us on that alert. So, you know, when we go live and also Tune in on itunes spotify hit us with a five-star review we Ooh. would really appreciate that we really appreciate every single one of you tuning in with us every day
2: love you um we randomly the other day i don't know if this was a mistake if this was you Uh-oh. someone i i swear someone was trying to give us a five-star review like okay. the, the the paragraph that they wrote with it was like the nicest stuff ever. It was just a three-star review.
1: Wait, you think I was on there giving no, myself no, a three-star no, review? No, no, no. I was talking to the oh, person. Oh, okay, okay. it was
2: like, maybe if you recently left huh. an iTunes review, go check, make sure it's the right amount of stars. <laughs> wow, that would
1: break our streak, wouldn't it? The streak. I think we have a pretty good streak. The streak, yeah, has sadly been broken. Oh no! Maybe gotta start fix a new it. streak. Maybe, yep, there we go. There we go. We had like thirty
2: consecutive five-star reviews. Just tough to do on iTunes. Which like I feel like that should have bumped up our our overall rating. Yeah, but uh, it didn't. So that's, that's that's pretty good though. We need like yeah, that's because yeah. we have so many reviews. Yeah, exactly. We need like fifty straight five star reviews. So help us out. It's on you. Yes. Um, or we can just create a bunch of
1: burners. There we go. Let's <laughs> do, let's do when we come back with seven thousand reviews <laughs> next Monday. We'll know why. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Where is Kale Ben?" We're like, "Guys, yeah, he's working on a special <laughs> project." Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, now let's hop into the comments yeah. from the people. First one coming in from Mark It Snatches. Hey guys, what member of the Minnesota Vikings is still waiting on a call from Canton? Uh, I don't know. Kirk Cousins. <laughs> um.
2: Uh, is uh, uh, Randy Moss
1: is in. He's absolutely. Um.
2: Yeah, I mean. Oh,
1: here we go. Jared Allen. Okay. Because didn't he have a twenty? 20- one sack season or something like he almost broke the record jared allen was dope yep he was and he was fun and then he went to the chiefs and it it sucked because he was dope was he good for them i don't remember okay but he was still like (laughs) the dope guy yeah yeah he's fun
2: he was fun we Mm -hmm. need more fun players uh i was gonna ask that too I honestly don't he He is is. i'm pretty sure he got in yeah yeah, I mean he was really good. I mean yeah. I think he he was to Randy Moss what DeMarcus Ware was to Von Miller. I think. Mm. Yeah, so, I like that. Got to give him a little of a little bit of an assist there. All right, from Melbourne Bronco. Hey boys, how good? Like really, how good is the footage of Russell Wilson throwing deep, hitting targets? And who is this Peter King character? Add him to the list <laughs> of Broncos haters that will eat their words. How good uh, is the footage? Well, there was another one yesterday that he threw a little short, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was like the first one of the highlight. It was just against air. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, he completed that one to Cortland. It was a, that was like a 95 percentile throw.
1: And that was like a 95-yard throw as well. Oh, I think that's why it was one? short. <laughs> yes, yeah. that was just a moon ball. Props to Broncos for making it look like it literally went over a different planet.
2: Yeah, it basically did. It threw it over the mountains.
1: And Ryan, Peter King. Henry and I talked about this yesterday. Oh, Pete. Has the, There's two things that I think will uh, tickle your fancy. One of them, we'll, we'll start with the non, not as egregious one. Broncos at 14th in power rankings. Do you realize where 14th is, Ryan? That is slightly above average. Yeah. I mean, average would be 16th. Who, what were the teams surrounding them? Um, well, th- this is kind of a subset of that. The Las Vegas Raiders, one spot ahead. Mm, mm-mm. So that means the Broncos with the fourth team in the AFC West.
2: Yikes. Um, There's a lot of people out there having this take. And again, I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of people that have the opposite take. Um, And someone has to be last in the AFC West, so it's going to be a musical chairs. I'm sure no one's putting the Chiefs there. Um, But 14th, man? No way. Everyone in the AFC West is a top 10 team, in
1: my opinion. That's exactly what I said. Yep, and and that's the conclusion we came down to, where these other teams can be good, but you're also going to be good. And... We put out a pod poll last night of who's better right now, the Broncos or the Bengals. Now, it's a Broncos poll. Mm-hmm. Uh, 75% said Broncos. The Bengals were just in the Super Bowl. But I made the argument on the podcast yesterday as well. i take the Broncos. Woo. Because I, I think the Ravens win the division this year.
2: Interesting. I, I don't know. The Bengals... The Joe Burrow effect is so strong, but we haven't even been able to see what the Russell Wilson effect is on, is on the Broncos. Right. Um, so, I mean, I think it's a t- like they play 10 times. It's going to be close.
1: Yep. Yep. I, I agree. And so I, I had the Broncos going up six spots from where Peter King was. I had them about seven or eight in the power rankings. And now the one thing that'll really piss you off, <laughs> he doesn't have the chiefs first in the AFC West. Okay. He doesn't have the Raiders first in the <clears throat> AFC West. He has the chargers first in the AFC West. He has the Chargers. Do you know where? Have you seen it? No. Uh, I
2: mean, just based off
1: of the Let's say he's really high on them. Two? Bingo. The second best team in the NFL, only behind the Buffalo Bills.
2: These people are out of their gourds, (laughs) dude. What are we doing
1: here? (laughs) So in our Madden chat, we had someone calling me out saying, wow, Zach's saying the Chargers are a Super Bowl contender here on yesterday's pod. And Ryan's like, yeah, of course he does it when I'm not on the pod. And I'm like, whoa, I I actually said that in a way that was against the Chargers where I I, I don't think they should be number two here. I'm like, I think they're really good and can be Super Bowl contenders this year. But number two coming into the year, I do agree with, with a lot of things you say about the Chargers. They have to prove it and uh, uh, to being the second-best team after missing the playoffs last year, they're not there yet. Now, I can say that while also saying that I think you should be s- so scared of them.
2: I think you have to be aware of them. I don't think you have to be scared of them. Um, here's, here's where I'm really confused about the national narrative around the Chargers. Everyone keeps talking about Justin Herbert, who is – rightfully awesome, mm-hmm. he really good. He, I mean, that game against the Raiders was like just a heroic performance. But then they turn around and talk about Brandon Staley. I'm like, oh, they got this great young coach and he's so special. And I'm like, they had him last year. What? So they had a great coach and a great quarterback. The two things you need to win in the NFL and they missed the playoffs. One thing, only one of these things can be true. Justin Herbert is great. Or Brandon Staley is great. One of them can't be because they missed the playoffs. And it's obviously not
1: Justin Herbert. I don't know whether to take the uh, try to defend the Chargers or just drop it right now. (laughs) I think what they may say is two things about Brandon Staley. It was his rookie season, so kind of give him a break, uh, whether that's fair or not. Mm -hmm. And the second thing they would say is so many of the things he did broke the wrong way. It's going to level out. And when it levels out, what's that going to do? And then you could make the case against that, though, of saying, if you made all the wrong decisions, isn't that really bad coaching?
2: Yeah. I mean, just betting on like a, a regression or a progression to the mean is a weak, eight, a weak case for why a team is going to be good. Uh, I think they are going to be better than they were last year just based on personnel. They got their team is better. Right. Um, but I just hate this idea that like Brandon,
1: Brandon Staley, because he had some dope quotes, which he did, is a great coach. That's fair. That, that's fair. Unfortunately, I'm scared of Brandon Staley. Um, and re- really, I, I, I didn't realize this until I saw this this week. No one has more passing yards in the history of the NFL in their first two seasons than Justin Herbert. Why you don't have to stop the run. That's exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Next one from Vash the Man says Yo, 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 my boys, what's up? No question. Just wanted to let you all know what I meant when I said sweet corn. What I meant to say was street corn. Uh, <laughs> so glad to fix that mix up. Again, street corn, not sweet corn. Cali street corn is the best. Peace, love, and chicken grease. I'm out. Mm. I actually didn't know street corn was a California thing. Did I, you? No. Okay. So then it i've I, had like I, I, mexican street corn right exactly yeah
2: but, but i mean a lot of california yeah. food is an extension of mexican food so
1: i like where you're coming from vash the man i really like street corn but i don't feel like it fits into the region since we didn't know it was right. southern california what's the name of the
2: corn like the mexican corn with like it's got the crema on there and then like the spicy like Does it have the cojita cheese? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Isn't that isn't that uh street corn? I think there's oh, is it term a term. It it. Oh, is it a oh, lote? Is it a lote? Oh, lote. Lote, yes. <laughs>
2: That's, That's so number one way to prepare
1: corn. Wait, I thought that was street corn. I
2: it, I think that is a type of street Okay, corn.
1: okay, okay. Yeah, it's so good. That's It is so so, so good. <laughs> oh my goodness. Next one, a long one from Bronco Tiz oh. Says, hey guys, the fifth possible ownership group was announced. And while they don't have the capital that Rob Walton has, Matt Ishiba was... Mm -hmm. Ishbia. Ish Ishbia would, in my opinion, be the best option for Broncos fans. Let's look at what he built. And Broncos Tiz has some insight uh, about about this ownership group. So let's take a look here. Uh, He was a United Wholesale Mortgage. It had 12. Okay. He started at United Wholesale Mortgage that had 12 employees in 2003. Today they have over 9,000 employees. He grew it to be the second largest mortgage mortgage lender in the country and the largest wholesale lender in the country. Now, if he follows his strategy. He used with the Broncos, we will be the winner for many years to come. <laughs> a few of the highlights on how he built them. He hired talent around him to help build the company. He listens to the talent around him, including Der- Jerry Jones. No, no, uh, he's saying he's the anti- Oh, the anti- Okay, Jerry okay, Jones. okay. He invests in the company. He listens to what his customers and fans in this case want uh, and he invests in his customers. In addition, many don't realize Matt is also a national champion. He was part of the 2000 Michigan State National Championship basketball team although he was a reserve. He averaged two minutes of playing time. Uh. He, Respect. Um, Matt Cleaves credits... Mateen Cleaves. Oh, Mateen Cleaves credits Matt with helping him come back from shoulder... From, or from injury stronger than ever due to Matt's relentless working in the and in, with Mateen during his recovery. Those traits are what, in my opinion, make a great leader and what we want. Let's remember, guys like Robert Kraft and Pat Bolin didn't come from a strong football background, just great leaders that built great organizations.
2: Well, I'm really uh, happy for Matt that he got his moment in the sun here in the comment section because this will probably be the last we ever hear.
1: <laughs> because Rob Walton is yes. just going to write the check? Yes. I'll, I'll tell you what, though. And it, it always has to have this caveat. If Rob Walton decides at some point in this bidding process, he doesn't want it. Uh, Matt and his brother are legitimate contenders because combined they have over $10 billion. And so that's in the range with these other people, these other groups, until you talk about Rob Walton who has seven times that by himself. Listen, I loved
2: everything. I mean, a lot of that stuff was just like standard like business. Um, the, the part that really struck a chord with me is that he was a former athlete. Um, like I, that, that, that tracks for me. He's young too. He's yep. 40.
1: He's 42. I believe young,
2: successful, former athlete. You know, you can, you can paint a picture in your head of how this guy ends up really connecting with players and being like the cool owner, uh, without being the overbearing owner. Um, I love it all. It's all for not. Unless <laughs> yeah. Rob Walton
1: like forgets to show up to the auction and we're having the second round of bids come in in just a couple of weeks ryan so this is this is heating up kind of yeah yeah you're right <laughs> <laughs> i guess uh rob walton's bank account is heating up to dump about five billion dollars
2: yeah i was gonna say like this whole thing is such a weird song and dance to me i just ask everyone put in your like if i'm rod walton i'm like everyone put in your highest bid the most you could possibly go Okay, I'll give a a million more than that. And I think a, a billion more than that. Well, either way, it doesn't matter. They have to give it to the highest bidder. You go one dollar more <laughs> and, than that.
1: And I think what's happening here. And remember when Woody Page came out with the story a couple of weeks ago or a month ago about how it was down to two, and there was so much pushback by media saying that's that's not the case because you mean by the Broncos, uh, right, right. Uh, and the reason is is because the Broncos they really want this to seem, especially Joe Ellis and the trust, they want it to seem like the Broncos are in good hands, but they don't. They have really no control. have that choice if it does say in the trust that it has to go to the highest owners in the highest bidder. So that's what's happening here is this is a, a really good PR try by the Broncos of trying to make it seem like it's not just about the money. But I do agree. If it does say it in the trust, We're, it's Rob Walton. No one's like going to be mad at the Broncos for giving it to Rob Walton because he bid
2: more than everyone else because it says in – the bylines of the trust that that's what they have to do so no one would have been like i can't believe this is just like a money grab like no there's no world in which joe ellis can be like we really like this matt guy <laughs> and right. just give it to them. <laughs> it doesn't exist so there's like why are people coming to tour the facilities why is any of this happening just everyone put in your highest bid they're trying. They're just trying
1: to it's, do the PR thing, Ryan. You're well, right? You're reading right through it. it. You're trying. You're reading right through it. Oh, man. And Ryan, what's happened in Denver this week with uh, Tim Connolly leaving? It's just it's made me open my eyes a little more to just how important this truly is. It's not something we can come here and talk about every day. It's not even something we can come here and talk about every week because there hasn't been an update outside of this update, which we just talked about in, in weeks from now. But man... Just because you're rich doesn't mean you're going to be a good owner. Stan Kroenke is, I believe, the third richest owner in the NFL. He's letting Tim Connolly just walk. Now, I know there's other things there, yeah. but we've seen these moves in the past with the Nuggets and Avs organizations of not giving them everything they need. We obviously know with the Rockies. We've lived it our whole life here just about it, and I just really hope that this thing goes to the right person.
2: Yeah, and here's what I'll say about the Tim Connolly situation. Credit to the Timberwolves, um, who up until this point are a joke franchise, um, for doing the one thing that I think they knew Stan Kroenke wouldn't do, which was give up a piece of ownership. And I've seen a lot of talk about this um, on social media, even in my own mentions, of being like, you can't expect Stan to match that you know, that's a piece of your business, blah, blah. And while that is true, if, and only if all you care about is the success of the business, you will do that. And I can speak from experience here because at this company, we give, uh, you know, um, uh, shares of the company to the people that work here. And we've used that in negotiations to get people that we really want. Right. And so like, I, I can say for us, the only thing that matters is the ultimate success of this business. And if for Stan Kroenke, all that mattered to him was the ultimate success of the business, then he would do it too. But it's not, you know, for him, it's, that's the money. Right. Right. And so if he ever sells the nuggets, he doesn't want to give a chunk of that to Tim Connolly. Right. And, there is part of me that has to say, like, well, it's his business; that's his choice, which is absolutely true, one hundred percent. But I, you, to me, saying like you can't expect him to do that. Well, if you if you expect him to only be interested in the ultimate success of the Denver Nuggets, which is my personal, what I personally believe he should be invested in, then I can't expect him to do that. But to your overarching point, you just cross your fingers and hope that whoever comes in. Their only desire is the ultimate success of the Denver Broncos. Because how about this? Pat Bowen was trying to retain his guy. Mm-hmm. You know damn well he wouldn't have had any, any trouble giving up a piece of the team.
1: He tried to with John, John Elway. Elway you know. Yeah, exactly. He tried to give it to John Elway just like as a favor yes. for the championship. <laughs> exactly. Man, John really wishes he would have taken that now. I don't. Who was advising him? No <laughs> oh, man. There were a couple <laughs> rough business decisions uh, right around that time. And uh, the, here's the optimistic thing. Money can buy you everything, especially when we're talking about he will be worth $55 billion more than the second richest owner in the NFL. David Tepper worth about $15 million right now. If Rob Walton buys the Broncos, he'll be worth $70 billion. Think about that. Fifty-five billion dollars more than the next guy.
2: It's actually unfathomable until you go look at one of those, like, um, thing, like, not necessarily like memes, but like info things that show you the difference between a million and a billion and all that stuff. Have you ever seen it? Like, no. In terms of like what it buys you? No, just in terms of like what a billion really is. Like, I've seen one that's like rice, mm. and it's like each one of these kernels of rice is one million dollars. Right. Or, right grains of rice is one million dollars and it shows you like on one side here's one million dollars that's one grain of rice and then it shows you like this giant pile of rice and it's like that's a billion and it's just like when you think of having 55 of those more than the next person like the wealth is unfathomable and you just hope that he'd be like oh yeah okay well I'll I'll take ten billion of my doll. You know, he's gonna spend six on yep. the on the Broncos and he's just like I'm just set like ten billion of my wealth aside, just make sure the Broncos are are winning. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. Especially he's seventy seven years old. He could view this as not Ten-year a ten vi- year run. Exactly. Let's go, baby.
2: <laughs> Love this. Rob Walton, let's go. Ten years for glory. You come in. Win four Super Bowls, go down as the greatest oh, owner man. of all time, won a Super Bowl in 40% of his seasons, pass it on to your son who just bought a $22 million house in Cherry Hills. Man. Oh, wait. I learned more about this. Oh, tell me. That was not a $22 million house. Was it like 10? That was a $22 million plot of land. No way. Yes. That oh, I believe goodness. encompasses like four lots. Wow. With homes on them? I don't know that for sure. Oh I assume goodness. that there are homes now, but who knows if they're just going to come in and build their Walton super mansion. Or
1: did he buy some homes for his dad, another sister that's, that's going to come live? I, I there. just think it's going to be like the Walton right. compound. Oh my! Literally, it's going to be a Walmart, the nicest Walmart <laughs> you've ever been in because it's actually a home of billionaires. Yeah, yeah.
2: So that, I mean, it's, this is all just a
1: song and dance. <laughs> it really is. Really is. Rob, welcome to town. The show itself also just <laughs> a big long song and dance i uh, hope you enjoyed it um
2: and uh, appreciate you guys for listening also i might have missed them but i saw a lot of positive comments yep. about the way we yep. opened the show it so was, appreciate it was really
1: really really well said right yeah
2: I, and when i say i might have missed them i might have missed the negative ones but uh, I, hopefully they weren't there because i think I it's a message any that any, anyone and everyone can get on board with so appreciate you guys again for giving us the time to do that uh and appreciate you as always for tuning in hitting us with those thumbs up all that good stuff and we will be back next week we did a double pot early in the week we got the dnvr golf tournament tomorrow so no show tomorrow we'll see you next monday on the dnvr broncos podcast